Hello and welcome to this episode of Trash Future, the fourth in our intelligence series. Uh, it is me, Riley. I'm here once again with Alice. Yeah, what's up? Milo. Hello, it's me in an undisclosed location. And uh, returning to us once again is uh, Chapo Trap House and Chapo FYM's Felix Biederman. Felix, how's it going? Hello, thank you for having me. Yeah, back to, back to torture you again with more brain gods. Hmm. Yep. These, you, uh, you guys like you. These are your favorite guys. Like my favorite guys. Like that we have in our show. It's it's like conservatives who are afraid of jacking off. Mm-hmm. Like I love those guys. Those are my, those are my guys. Yeah. There's there's a, but, there's a kind like, of charm to the guy who thinks that jacking off like makes ghosts live in your house. Or the guy who like did reverse cowgirl for the first time at age sixty two, <laughs> David Brooks, and is now like, yeah, I believe in God now. I'm, uh, everything's beautiful. I want to. Pull aside everyone at Penn Station and tell them about reverse cowgirl. I love reverse cowgirling. My wife's strap on. Yeah, my yeah. my my, fa- my favorite David Brooks the genre of tweet is where he's like, "Why won't my sixteen year old girlfriend listen to Miles Davis? It's cool." Those are those are good, but I also like the ones where it's like he just wants everyone to know he's fucking. Yeah, and it's like in the time of Corona, who's getting top? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's up, man? It is still better than the the other genre of in the time of Corona tweet, which is the uh, we are going to uh, you know karate chop this pandemic with our badass Doctor Fauci, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, <sighs> that you pointed out as a Gen X psychosis. Well, that like well Gen Xers is like the only way they can uh, like like say that they like something or someone is by saying they want to fuck them because like they're like. All Gen X language is channeled through like needlessly aggressive print ads from 1992 that are like, uh, "Do you want maybe maybe you're too gay to drink this soda?" <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. Zima. Yeah, and like the way like the way the Gen X men compliment each other is like, "Oh yeah, he's a real son of a bitch. I'd suck his dick." Just kidding. I'm not gay. Like I'm just that's just like a funny thing for me to say. Uh, so with Dr. Fauci, like they all, they all want to fuck him. Mm. But I think the worst, the worst pandemic tweets are the ones that are like, uh, <laughs> yeah. So today I wore sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, turned, yeah, the real driving a podcast, uh, motherfucker. So, yeah. so here's what I, here's what I've done. I have found yet another one of these rational optimist, uh, just b- books for the terminally bird brained. Uh, and I have yet again found some gems from it. Um, and so just in the tradition of the intelligence series, I'm now going to subject uh, Felix and my co-host to the backstory of a man named Matt Ridley. Hmm. Matt Ridley is the fifth Viscount Ridley. Fuck and off. he has written a book called The Rational Optimist, which came out in 2010. Yes. Now, Good year Matt- for rational optimism. Everything like got better after 2010. This is a big <laughs> That's right. Uh, Matt Ridley is the fifth Viscount Ridley, a title he inherited from his father. Uh, he's trained as a scientist, and he has a PhD from Oxford in the mating habits of pheasants. Cool. He's a famous climate skeptic, and it continues to be one of the UK's last few proponents of fracking. However, unlike Pinker and Gladwell, Ridley has not been a take machine forever. He only became one in 2010 after he lost his previous job. So he's like Two-Face. Now, he's like the Two-Face of this Batman's rogues gallery here. 
Hell now, yeah. I'm, this is this is to Felix. What do you think his previous job was? All right. I'm going to... Okay. All right. Uh, I'm really going to use my brain power. He's Landon Gentry. He writes shitty thinking books. Um, and his name is Matt Ridley. Um, I'm going to say, like, Chief Creative Officer of Barclays. That is so close. Yeah, that's <laughs> dangerously close. In, in 1994, Ridley became the board member for the UK bank Northern Rock after his father yes. had been a board member for 30 years yes. and chairman from 87 to 92. I'm Ridley so then, fucking good at this <laughs> Ridley then became chairman in 2004 after inheriting the position from his father. Alice, play that stinger. Thousands of Northern Rock savers have queued for hours at branches to empty their accounts. Many more have withdrawn cash via the internet. Despite reassurances from the bank over the safety of their savings, customers have now taken out well over a billion pounds. Is that good? He did a run on the bank in like 2010. <laughs> he, he was doing a speed incredible. run. He was doing a bank speed run. Yeah, bank Eddie percent. <laughs> no, I remember the collapse of Northern Rock. I do. I was like, I would follow financial news around that time for some insane reason. But yeah, no, he's a uh, what a baller. Mm. What a fucking baller. Um, I, you know, so did he? So he became famous after this. I'm presuming, right? Yeah, like, like unwillingly. He, yes. Like he got he got hauled in front of like select committees and stuff, and then he like pivoted that into books about why things are getting better, and that's cool. Exactly. Well, that's so okay. This Ridley, he's like a very specific type of like British, for lack of a better word, celebrity. Something that happens in your country a lot is like someone is famous for fucking up. Mm. Like that, that would like in America, the guy who is on the board of the bank that collapsed, like wouldn't become fit. It would just be like people would make fun of him and then he would like quietly get a consulting job where he makes $8 million a year because that's just how it works here. And like you would like be in, you would be in an intercept story for like bundling for Joe Biden and saying something like, uh, "I'm gonna kill Bernie Sanders with a gun, not getting in trouble." <laughs> but like, because Britain is so shame based, when someone becomes a celebrity for fucking up, like yeah, they worked for the bank that had a run on it, or like a tech firm that collapsed, or they were a government minister in a specific department of the government that like killed a thousand people in one day, they. <laughs> They're like, all right, um, well, you get to be a pundit and celebrity now because people know you as the fucking up guy. Yeah, they get they get a game show called like Grand Larceny or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes. So here's here's what he then said after in an interview with Newcastle, a Newcastle newspaper. He said, I enormously regret what happened at Northern Rock. It's actually an incredibly painful memory for me and something that I will have to live with for the rest of my life. All his losses was lessons. <laughs> hurts me yeah, right. more than it could ever hurt you. Ever. <laughs> anyway, I have to now just become like a famous columnist. Yes, this books. is his penance, right? He doesn't like writing books about how things are going to get better. He's just been like forced to do it. Oh, it's like no, a court, that's it's right. a court ordered Gladwell. Yeah, Brit- Britain. Like when we no longer had Australia to have our penal colony, we just started making colonies. Yeah. That's why we have so many colonies. Northern Rock collapsed, and he's like, "Oh, this is bad, yo. If after this, I'm not going to be able to get horny for pheasants for ages, for real." <laughs> so I love, I love too that he like he definitely when he was in school, he like definitely knew he was just going to inherit that stupid bank job from his dumbass dad. So he's like, "Yeah, why learn anything about banking or like the economy? It's just like." 
Yeah, I just I know a lot about birds. Mm. Let me let me let me be the money guy. His decision it was his decision yeah. that led Northern Rock to be incredibly of, of, invested. Of in, or at least it was the board's decision of which he was part that led Northern Rock to over like zealously invest in the US mortgage backed securities. It's why it was the only uh, British bank that failed. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I want to go- jump right into um, the rational optimist from 2010. Uh, this is this is his book, are- right? His his yes. post Northern the- Rock book. The bookshops are groaning under ziggurats of pessimism, and the airwaves are crammed with doom. Under what? In my own adult lifetime, I have listened to implacable predictions of growing poverty, coming famines, expanding deserts, imminent plagues, Oops. impending water wars, inevitable oil exhaustion. Oh, Oops. that happened already. Mm. Mineral shortages, thinning, falling sperm counts, thinning ozone, uh, acidifying up? rain, nuclear winters, <laughs> more epidemics, the Y2K computer bug, killer bees, sex change fish, global warming, What's ocean up? acidification, <laughs> and even asteroid impacts that would presently bring this happy enter to a terrible end. Well, can we okay. go back to the sex change fish? Yeah, can we? Can we? Can we go back <laughs> to those in the falling sperm counts? These these guys are all like they all have a thing about fertility. It's weird. Yeah. Well, there is there there, there is like a fertility thing For that sure. is happening. Like like people are having less. Yeah, everybody's kids, but, uh, miserable. Like, it's not because they're putting yeah, like yeah. estradiol in they, the water or whatever. Well, yeah, no, it's literally because like people can't afford to yeah. and their lives suck and no one has any friends mm. like that. But that's like that's like too, too direct of a problem for this guy. So he's just like, um, yeah, actually, um, it's crazy. They put a chemical in the water that makes people gay. <laughs> my, my favorite thing so, from that passage is the phrase ziggurats of pessimism. It's just like, w- what, dude? Yeah, the Mayans built ziggurats and nothing bad ever happened to them. I'm not um, sure that's accurate. So also, I like that he notes like the ozone layer in Y2K. Like those things happened. The ozone layer did thin, and then we stopped using HFCs that, or CFCs or whatever that it stopped thinning. Y2K was prevented from being a disaster yeah. by a lot of we, people working really we hard. We did have the sex change fish, and then we all worked very hard to like uh, make like to dump testosterone into all of our lakes and bodies of water. So he, here's what he says. He says, I will make a concession at the start. The pessimists are right when they say that if the world continues as it is, it will end in disaster. For example, if all transport ends on, runs on oil and oil runs out, then transport will cease. But the world will not continue as it is. It is my proposition that the human race has become a collective problem-solving machine, doing so through invention driven often by the market. <sighs> now, this sounds like Steven Pinker to me. Mm. But here's where it diverges from Steven Pinker almost immediately. When I'm going to read to you the title of the prologue, uh, Felix, again, when I, this is when I realized that this is the book that I had to show you when I saw the title of the prologue. Hold on to your desk when you're about to hear this title. All right. Prologue. When ideas have sex. Yes. <laughs> sure. Yes. Okay. My man. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. This guy, this guy's a gamer. You know, hmm. he's like, he realizes in the, the guy's, who invent thinking too? He has to like differentiate himself. I already, I'm already fucking vibing with this guy. Yeah, abso- he, absolutely. I already like him. Like all, all of the other intelligence guys, they don't talk about sex because the only kinds of sex that they're having are like insanely illegal. Whereas this guy yeah. is just like he's like having sex with the mind. It's cool. He's he's a true sapiosexual. I'm hitting this social contract theory from the back. <laughs> well, this guy, this guy, he's like I'm going to assume he's. You know, despite his uh, landed gentryness, is not a pedophile because 
All the like Stephen Baker never talks about sex because it's like his publicist was probably like Stephen, you shouldn't talk about that in light of the many things. <laughs> but uh, he, this guy, like, yeah, he probably like puts on a Nora Jones CD and like t- pathetically porks his wife. Yeah, and he's like, he thinks of himself as like a sexual creature, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so he's going to talk about it. Yeah, this is this is really an episode that's going heavy into like pathetic middle-aged guy sexuality between this guy and David Brooks, and I'm yeah. so here for that. So here's, here's where he, we get the actual mechanism uh, that he proposes. He says, On my desk, as I write, sit two artifacts of roughly the same size and shape. One is a cordless computer mouse, gamer. and the other is a stone hand axe from the Neolithic era. Absolutely confirmed gamer. Wow. Uh, we, we live in a society. <laughs> that, is, that is so... I love it when guys do shit mm. like this. Just like... Um, the craziest thing is if you had something very new and something very old <laughs> to remind you of some non-specific ideas. <laughs> on, on my desk as I write this with my light-up keyboard. I have a swastika and a yin-yang <laughs> to remind you that some things are good and some things are bad. <laughs> Both are designed to fit the human hand. The difference between them shows that the human experience today is vastly different from the human experience of half a million years ago. He's right. That's Whoa. just, that's just that tweet about how we get more cool ranch in, our, in a day than the average medieval peasant would have gone their entire <laughs> lifetime. This is so <laughs> asinine. So here's, what, here's how it the, the actually functions, right? He says, humanity is experiencing a burst of evolutionary change driven by good old-fashioned natural selection. But it is selection among ideas, not among genes. This is Dawkins. He's the just habitat- biting Dawkins. <laughs> the sexual marketplace of ideas. <laughs> yes. The habitat in which those ideas reside is the human brain. That's just the selfish gene. You've just taken the selfish <laughs> gene and you've done, and you've made it hornier. <laughs> he does cite Dawkins. Oh, wait, hang on. He says- We're back to the fucking qu- president is the quarterback thing. It's like oh, in, <laughs> yeah. in the game of in the game of ideas, there's one there's one quarterback, and that idea lives in the human brain. <laughs> So he says, I believe that in some point in human history, ideas began to meet, mate, and have sex with each other. Mate, just... Th- yes, mm. man. Uh, okay, sure. Sex is what, ha- what makes biological evolution cumulative because it brings together the genes of different individuals. And by exchanging with free trade, human beings invented the division of labor, <laughs> the specialization of efforts, and talents is, for mutual th- this gain. Man, this man is a savant, right? He's accidentally invented dialectics while trepanning himself. <laughs> and it's just like, huh, one idea meets the other idea and they make a little baby idea. And it's like, yeah, well done. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, it is like, this would be familiar to anyone who's ever had a thought before. <laughs> yeah. Really, like, anyone who's learned anything at all ever in their lives. Like, a toddler yeah. would be able yeah, to yeah. You, basically formulate the same theory. You know what it is? It's, it's like, this whole prologue is just like, yo, does anybody else, like, hear themselves as, like, a voice in their own head? Just like, yeah. you, you, like you, know how, you know how when you're thinking stuff, it's kind of like you say it to yourself, but you don't hear it? Well, the, this sh- this shows how much of class is signifiers because this guy is presumably like he goes to the like British society dinners where you dress like the Riddler. I <laughs> but Matt Riddler, he's he's like, the name. He, yeah, yeah, exactly. But That's he right. is as smart as like Baze Bang mm, uh-huh. easily. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like he's like like this is just yo dog. It's so crazy how sometimes when you have an idea. Mm. It's like, you're like, 
don't think you'll see it again, <laughs> but then it helps you have another thought. <laughs> Dog, what's so cr- what's so crazy is like we use all these words every day, but then they like help us find more words. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> I can't wait to see so, his chapter on two faced Buckinghamshire ladies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here's he says it is perfectly possible and indeed profitable, probable rather that in the year 2110, a century after this book is published. Humanity will be much better off than it is today, as will the ecology of the planet. <laughs> this book dares the human race to embrace change, be rationally optimistic, and therefore strive for the betterment of humankind and the world that it inhabits. I mean, I'm kind of into this now, right? Because like he he's he's convinced me in in the first in the prologue of his book because this guy's presumably way happier than I am, right? Like, I, absolutely. I'm, I'm fucking. I'm full of like despair and anger and terror and I just like pinball between those three things all the time. This guy's like he reads the same news I do in the morning and then he's like, man, we're gonna we're gonna think the shit out of this. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, great. Well he keep, he keeps writing columns and his main column right now is about how the problem with the UK coronavirus uh, response is that it's shut out too many private testing laboratories. <laughs> Yeah, he's just he's just a beautiful, perfect, happy idiot, and I I I envy him that. Oh, so here's the, the it, when you said Faze Banks, I now I, you said it at the around the perfect paragraph because this is a very Faze Banksian paragraph. I am writing in times of unprecedented economic pessimism in 2010. The world banking system has lurched to the brink of collapse. <laughs> <laughs> to my intense regret, I played a part in one phase of this disaster as the non-executive chairman of Northern Rock, one of the many banks that ran short of liquidity during the crisis. <laughs> but this is not a bo- this is not a book about that experience. <laughs> um, a this Matt is- Ridley involved bank collapse. Yeah. This is this remind this is exactly like the Phase Banks uh, notes app thing about cheating on Alyssa Violet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this, this uh, does. I mean, was involved mm. in several situations that could be described as cheating. <laughs> this this absolutely <laughs> should have been a screenshot. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so what he says basically, he hand waves that away by saying that look, the problem with that market was that it was a market in, in assets. I like markets in goods and services. Mm. Um. Anyway, but he says, Rational optimism holds that the world will pull out of the current crisis because of the way that markets and goods, services, and ideas allow human beings to exchange and specialize honestly for the betterment of all. Oh. Well, we certainly uh, got Labyrinth's so- Earthquake, which was a tune, to be fair. So, I mean, you know, say. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, he does a lot of, like, Steven Pinker shit, which we can ignore. Uh, and then he says, and so then, but then talking about how trade... He says, is it possible not just that the recent credit boom, but the entire post-war lo- rise in living standards was a Ponzi scheme made possible by the gradual expansion of credit that we have in effect grown rich by borrowing the means from our children and that a day of reckoning is at hand? <laughs> Thousands of Northern Rock savers have queued for hours in branches. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome because he's like, he's rewriting the post-war boom and like the war boom really. It is instead of being like a vindication of sort of Keynesianism and like the types of economies that Western countries had then into retconning it into being the economy since the late 70s, which is just like a debt laden consumer economy. Mm. Yeah. 
And then, and also putting in a nice thing about austerity and deficits. In this there. this mm. this guy absolutely like as I, I'm still I'm very very into my idea that he just doesn't know what's going on. That's why he's so happy. This no. this guy just works. Okay. This guy goes to work in the business factory, and he goes to work in the yeah. business factory <laughs> where he works in the money office. And the more business there is, the more good. So, uh, well, here's the thing. I'm gonna now I'm, I'm, I'm pertinent to that. Here's how he thinks the economy keeps moving. So long as somebody allocates sufficient capital to innovation, then credit crunches. Then the credit crunch will not, in the long run, prevent the relentless upward march of human living standards. If you look at a graph of world per capita GDP, oh, yeah. the Great Depression of the '30s, the Great Depression of the '30s is just a dip in the slope. <laughs> By '39, even the worst affected countries, America and Germany, were richer than they were in 1930. Yo, how'd that happen? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Nothing no. bad happened after 1939. <laughs> you just don't look into it. Yeah. Don't do any <laughs> research at all. <laughs> this chapter was ghostwritten by like a German like washing machine manufacturer's about us page. <laughs> no. I, I want you to again. This is this is to Milo and Felix. Can you guess for me what the next sentence addresses after, by 1939, America and Germany were richer than they were in 1930? Okay, I'm going to say, um, the Holocaust was a failed three-way of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I can't give you this Is one. it, uh, Milo, uh, anything? Is it, uh... Now, Hugo Boss has been involved in a number of production contracts over a long and varied career. <laughs> Close, Milo's closer. Okay. Okay. Is it going to be something there about is, like is, the innovations, though? Is it going to be like, well, how, at least you got a Volkswagen? Yeah, Hitler invented there is the Volkswagen. No gap. So, you know. There is no gap between the previous sentence and what I'm about to say. Okay. All sorts of new products and industries were born during the Depression. In 1937, 40% of DuPont sales came from products that had not existed before 1929. Cool. Okay. Uh, interesting. So it just, just sets up Germany from 1930 to 1939, and it's like, yeah, the interesting thing about this is rayon. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine a world without zinc? So growth will resume unless prevented by the wrong policies. We have to have faith that somebody somewhere is still tweaking a piece of software, testing a new material, or transferring a gene that will make yours and my life easier in the I'm future. So, imagine being a scientist or like some kind of like experimental programmer or something and just thinking that like your 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 potentially very real effect on the world is just there to bail out this fucking idiot who's just like ah some smart guy is gonna come and do it. It's it. This is Phasebanks too because like his this entire thesis really because it's like yo we're all working together for the same thing. I like <laughs> I like signed off on a bunch of bad loans at a bank. You invent things. It's like we're working towards the same goal here, man. We just want to see everyone have good vibes. <laughs> <laughs> so, in fact, again, you keep prefiguring what comes next. This is on trade and hierarchy. As I write this, it is nine o'clock in the morning. In the two hours since I got out of bed, I've showered in water heated by North Sea gas, shaved using an American razor, running on electricity made from British coal, <sighs> eaten a slice of bread made from fresh wheat, French wheat, spread with New Zealand butter and Spanish marmalade. It's just we live in a society. Just every yeah. sentence is just no, they, they the fucking things. like a corporation invents this ad every year, and it's just like ah, yes. oh, we you, we're international because you you get up and you you buy your. It, it's just Dan Nanan. You get your sushi from the 7-Eleven, and that means that we're all more together than we are apart. It's like cool. So this I is it's a, people also use this like bird-brained argument 
for like I, like again like the pro Europe people love this mm. shit where they're like huh you're, huh, you're the very meal you eat is from another country and like people do it in America too where they're like oh you're for Trump and don't like immigrants so well <laughs> that spaghetti that you're eating came from someone who you'd call undocumented a hundred years ago and it's like no one gives it like none of those people give a shit like the Nazis like Nazis would just like watch movies by Jews because they like them mm. like no one actually no one is like Oh, you got me. Just, like, just I'm imagining just a Nazi anymore. guy being like, well, listen, there's no ethical consumption under fascism. <laughs> <laughs> he, he I love getting up in the I morning consumed- and just being like, wow, I can't believe I'm having this croissant from France and this bacon from Denmark <laughs> and all this meth from Kentucky. <laughs> I have also consumed minuscule fractions of the productive labor of many I, dozens I of people. I thought that was going to yeah. be like minuscule fractions of the like pineal glands of many dozens of people. <laughs> Somebody had to drill the gas, install the plumbing, design the razor, grow the cotton, and write the software. And though they did not know it, they were all working for me in exchange for some fraction <laughs> of my spending. Each supplied me with some fraction of their work. They gave uh, me just uh, what I wanted, uh, exactly uh. what I wanted it, as if I were Louis the Fourteenth at Versailles in seventeen hundred. <laughs> Again, what happened after that? <laughs> no, it's fine. I this 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 sort of this fantastic Sun King fantasy he's invented for himself, where he can get like oatmeal or something at nine in the morning, as if by fiat. That rules. I love this guy so is, much. This is yeah. This is fucking awesome. Yeah, like he's he's just living a boring life and writing these shitty articles and books, and he's just like. I am Alexander. Yeah. I have never, never been this happy. Yeah, to him, the entire economy, like down to like the smallest, seemingly irrelevant, like down to like literally like police shootings and stuff, is all like one gigantic Rube Goldberg machine, which just presents him <laughs> with breakfast. <laughs> he's just, yeah, he's just doing Wallace and Gromit shit just to get like some toast butter. No, I mean this is this is my favorite thing. Right, is I have never been this happy eating oatmeal as this guy has, just sort of like eating some like rapidly cooling oatmeal in the morning, and you have to go to work later, and this guy's like. Like, yeah, I'm kind of like a king. <laughs> Here's the thing. Felix, I remember you told me that Malcolm Gladwell depressed you, and I was like, I'm going to find someone who's not going to make him sad. <laughs> no, yeah, Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell, like, he wasn't fucking trying. Mm, it was yeah. like, I, I've seen much better from Mr. Gladwell, and, like, the book that we read was just, like, it was infuriating, but very dull. Like, you could tell he was just sort of out to lunch for this one. It was probably written mostly by researchers. But this this is like I've never heard someone do this before. <laughs> this is fucking awesome. Yeah. So here's here's another one. This is one of my favorite lines in the entire thing. Commerce is good for minorities. If you don't like the outcome of an election, you have to lump it. But if you don't like your hairdresser, you can find another. Cool. Markets. <laughs> nice. Markets yes. are good at supplying minority needs. For example, the other day I bought a device for attaching a fly fishing rod to my car. How long would I have had to wait in 1970s Leningrad before some central planner had the great idea of supplying such a trivial need? <laughs> oh my god. Just this guy. God, he's the king. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, I, I just love, I just love the idea that in 1970s Leningrad, no one ever went fishing because they couldn't. No one had supplied yeah. them with a way of like moving the fishing rod. Oh, what, on you the gonna, car? you're gonna take the fishing rod on the Marshrutka? Don't think so, comrade. 
<laughs> oh, oh, I just want to I just want to go hiking, but there's so much bureaucratic red tape <laughs> keeping me back. You know what though? This is genuinely true. So, uh Zhukov and Eisenhower were friends for like the rest of their lives, and uh Eisenhower used to send Zhukov fancy fishing gear because apparently he could not get it in the Soviet Union. So, maybe this guy actually has a boy. <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> there is a, there is a really interesting book about um. It's like partial fiction. It's called Red Plenty. It's about the Soviet Union trying to like, uh, in, like use computers to increase uh, standards of living so they could have like kind of the level of consumer choice and like not really consumer choice but like consumer accommodation that America had. Interesting book. Mm. They like almost succeeded. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's some like uh, like I I keep thinking about how Anastas McCoyan was really into ice cream, and like that was the one thing that he refused in his like bureaucratic oversight to compromise on standards for was ice cream. And it's like, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> you love you love a treat boy. Yeah, I love the idea that yes, even in the Soviet absolutely. Union they had their Stephen Pinkers. They're like Stepan Pinkerov, who was like always going <laughs> like, well, every year the production of uh, coal and very dangerous radioactive materials increases so that eventually we will be living in space. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of uh, the goals of the Soviet Union, his next section is about how capitalism is dying. Hmm. Weird. He says... The turnover of firms is accelerating so much that most criticism of corporations is out of date already. Large companies not only fall more often these days. <laughs> Thousands the of savers. <laughs> the disappearance in a month in 2008 of many star banking names is merely an accelerated case in a particular industry. <laughs> Thousands of Northern Rock savers. Capitalism is dying and fast because the size of the Amer average American company is down from 25 employees to 10 in just 25 years. That doesn't mean anything. It's like what? Like what? What does that mean? The fact that like the average size of it—that's like pulling out the rat, like the stupidest possible fact. Oh, the the average number of words that the person knows has gone from like what? <laughs> This guy lives in a cartoon, right? He lives in the cartoon where Donald Duck is on the assembly line, and it's just like he's been replaced by a robotic duck, and now you need to hire fewer ducks, yeah. and it's cool. When, when the fuck has like any any economist ever used as a measure of whether capitalism is working or not? Like how many how many person are there? How many? We, company, st we still have. We, that's business? why we have a line. It's a stupid measurement, but that's why that we have a line. You can look at the line. The line goes down. <laughs> the market economy, he says, is evolving a new form in which to even speak about the power of corporations is to miss the point. Oh, damn. Play Shadowrun once. <laughs> Tomorrow's <laughs> largely self-employed workers clocking on to work online in bursts for different clients when and where it suits them uh, will surely look back on the days of bosses and foreman meetings, appraisals of timesheets and, tellingly, trade unions with amusement. Uh, <sighs> yeah, that's... I think you... I I think he, this guy is an NPC that you argue with in Deus Ex. <laughs> yeah, the, you know what? This, this is like reading a series of failed speech checks. <laughs> <laughs> Doubt. No, the, yeah, that's right. This is Matt, Matt Ridley. Um, he's like the first quest giver because he causes the Great Recession. Yeah, he's like, he's like <laughs> heavy really heard stupid. of the High Elves and you, like, you try to do a persuade thing. He's just like, no. Yeah. Uh, no, no, this is like, this is what you do, is this is like when you talk to an orc peon like 12 times, 
When you poke him, it's like, me not that kind of orc. We're getting to this <laughs> level of Matt Ridley now. <laughs> me not that kind of- Oi, Witcher! Oi, oi, Witcher! I got my marmalade from another country! <laughs> How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ge Geralt is a perfect example of the kind of gig economy he's talking about, so this is perfect, yeah. right? Because yeah, that's the thing, he predicts the gig economy, but because he's a total bird brain, he thinks it's going to be emancipatory yeah. instead of causing people to like no, sleep is, in their cars. Th this is this is the kind of Witcher NPC who's like, you know, the like fat shithead merchant NPC, like who's wearing yes. like six cod pieces and like a hat with a bunch of feathers in it, and it's just like, ooh, th that's this guy, right? <laughs> Um, well, speaking of speaking of some more merchant shit, nor can there be any doubt that the collective brain enriches culture and stimulates the spirit. The intelligentsia <laughs> looks down on commerce as irredeemably philistine. You have a PhD in bird fucking, <laughs> conventional and lowering in its taste. But for anybody who thinks that great art and great philosophy have nothing to do with commerce, let him visit Athens and Baghdad to ask how Aristotle and Al Khwarizmi had leisure time to philosophize. <laughs> I, would, I was waiting okay. for that to right. be like, well, let him see how Uday Hussein had a gold toilet, but also <laughs> some, you know, some good sonnets. No, I mean, like, yeah. un unexpectedly finding himself advocating for the caliphate there. I mean, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's the. There were no other political organizations uh, that were enabling no, a sort of no, gigantic no. It's, it's leisure like class you, in Athens. You, you, it was you, like, a guy. Was a guy trade. buys a lamp, and he like gives a pouch of coins to a merchant, who like hands that on to a philosopher who invents a bigger pouch of coins. Yeah. Wait, fuck. Sorry. This is like only. This is only slightly on topic. But I was on Quora today. The Saddam Hussein thing just reminded me of it. And there was like someone was talking about the guy, like the U.S. soldiers who were guarding Saddam Hussein before he was executed. And there was like an interview with one of them where he was like, you know, by the end of it, I really felt like Saddam was my boy. You know, like when they killed him, I really felt like I'd <laughs> let him down. Like I really got on. He was such an interesting guy. Bank. <laughs> yeah. Well, this like if. Ridley wrote an article in like the 1800s. He'd be like, a lot of people think there needs to be a political solution to slavery, but actually they've invented this new thing called the cotton gin that's going to make slavery more or less obsolete. <laughs> oh, he keeps talking about slavery for some reason. So um, we'll get to the slavery bit. Uh, oh, quick thing. Uh, here's how he explains uh, global poverty. He says, the Aborigines of Australia lacked not only steel and steam when they first met Westerners, they also lacked courts and Christmas. Uh, yeah, um, uh, Dr. Ridley, there's, a, there's a, a Mr. Diamond on the phone for you. He, he says, says it's urgent. They, they not only lacked steel and steam, they also lacked courts and Christmas. So poverty is institutional. Yeah. They don't have you, Christmas. Because you gotta have Christmas. Yeah. You, yeah, you gotta have Christmas. That's how you solve poverty. Santa comes and gives you stuff. Yeah. He keeps he keeps ripping off other dog shit authors. So like Jared Diamond, um uh Dawkins. Dawkins. And it's like it's great because he like he he contains none of their malice, right? He's just a dumbass who's like, huh, what what if what if they invented Christmas? <laughs> yeah, he has like he has like a weirdly I don't know about good heart, but he he's like he's not a yeah, he's not a malicious actor, no. that's the way to put it. Yeah. I'd say in the world of episode one, he's a Hudson. Mm. Yes. Yeah, yes. That's it. He's not a Branson, he's a Hudson for sure. Yeah, this is this is having yeah. like the reverse effect of the Gladwell episode. I'm not feeling drained from this. I'm feeling quite energized. This is this is a delight mm. to me. Exciting. I wanted to arrest Malcolm Gladwell after that. <laughs> yeah, episode. you wanted to, like, to do citizens. Citizens, yeah. or, 
<laughs> but so, now it's like I want to like I would hang out yeah. with this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know what I want to do? I want to organize this guy's surprise birthday party. Oh my god. Just think about how happy he would, he would be. He would it. be totally totally there would be no flicker of awareness there. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Imagine how happy he'd be thinking about a balloon. <laughs> oh oh yeah. my god. His surprise birthday party is a first Christmas for a bunch of people who are dressed up as aborigines. <laughs> so wait, have we have we just talked the podcast into trying to adopt this guy? <laughs> I would. Uh, so I have a, I have a few more things to get to because I know we're going to crunch on time soon. A few years ago, the World Bank published a study of intangible wealth, trying to measure the value of education, law, and other such nebulous things. It simply added up the natural capital and produced capital and measured what was left over to explain each country's per capita income. So a Mexican who crosses the border to America can quadruple his productivity almost immediately with access to sm smoother institutions, clearer rules, better educated customers, and Ooh. simpler forms. Damn. Better educated customers? Yeah. It yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you the know. thing is that the average the average American gets four times as much Baconator every day than the average Mexican can get in their entire lifetime. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I can't wait to read these books when, like, we're literally just out of people. Like, Social Security actually is insolvent because, like, just no one could afford to have kids. Everyone was miserable. Mm. And there are, like, 30 people left. And it's like, yeah, you know, um, if we start breeding now, we can repopulate. And, you know, the, the, nowhere to go but up. <laughs> this, Honestly, guys. This strange ancient tool was called an optical mouse, and we one day hope to figure <laughs> out what it's for. In the meantime, I have this stone hand axe. So here is here is another... I'm going to... Instead of telling you the name of the chapter, I'm going to read the passage and ask you to tell me what you think he's trying to get at. Yes. Picking out the pecans from a bowl of salted nuts gives diminishing returns. <laughs> the, the pieces... Okay. The pieces of pecan in the bowl get rarer and smaller. Gradually, the bowl, like a moribund gold mine, ceases to yield decent returns of pecan. Now imagine a bowl of nuts that had the opposite character. <laughs> the more pecans you took, the larger and more numerous they grow. Riley, you're, do you're, well, doing, you're doing a bit. You've swapped this out with a, uh, a passage from Capital to own us. <laughs> <laughs> um, yet that is precisely the character of the human experience since 100,000 years ago. Inexorably, yes. the global nut bowl has yielded ever more pecans. <laughs> the global nut bowl. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, oh, oh my, yeah. So he's 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 saying that ideas are like pecans, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, he's a fucking master. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fucking like, absolute it, master. And, and the ideas, the ideas are like pecans in a bowl of salted nuts, which I guess are like not ideas, or are they bad ideas? Hmm. You know, it's just anything else. A salted nut could be like you know, uh, seeing seeing the face of a friend or drinking some Mountain Dew. It doesn't really matter. Anything that's not an idea. <laughs> so, quick quick round of guesses here. Um, what do, is the chapter called? Brain gods. Intelligence is the chess of the mind. Uh, Milo. Um. Uh. Nut ball. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yep. I, Felix. I'm gonna give you a real guess. Okay. Um. Traveling inside the mind of Matt Ridley, I'm gonna say trail mix in Aristotle. <laughs> oh, fuck, that's so good. Unfortunately, no. It's the invention of invention, increasing returns after 1800. <laughs> oh wait, he's literally like, uh, remember when people invented being smart? He's that guy. 
Yes. Yeah. yeah, he's kind of crib pinker too. He's just cribbing everyone else's ideas because he doesn't understand that that's just cribbing other people's stupid ideas. <laughs> yeah, that's like, just ideas he, having sex. He's too dumb to plagiarize, right? He's just he reads a thing and it comes back into his brain and he's like, "Huh, I just invented this thing. I must be really smart." I don't. E- yeah. I don't think he's a plagiarist. No. I think he's just like. I think he's just he's that ju- dumb. He's just. A, he's just. He's just walking around the world with his eyes and mouth completely open all the time. <laughs> Is it- yeah, it's like he probably plagiarized all the time when he was uh, at Eaton or whatever, <laughs> and it was just like no one could do anything because like, yeah, his dad kind of like owns all the loans in the UK, and like he's a nice enough guy. Like, just like it's okay. He's not gonna. It's not like he's gonna harm anyone any Other day. People's ideas just like, keep having sex in his head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's um. Here's the the next line from a chapter on how Africa can get itself out of poverty. Oh, God. oh strap yes. in. In the nineteen thirty in the nineteen thirties, Nashville, Tennessee, was rescued from poverty by music entrepreneurship using good local copyright laws to start recording indigenous music. <sighs> not. It was not rescued from poverty by the giant dams of the Tennessee Valley Authority. Likewise, Bamako and Mali could build upon its strong musical traditions, given the right copy lo- copyright laws and some entrepreneurial spirit. Whither the Colonel Tom Parker of Bamako? Mixtapes. His idea is mixtapes. <laughs> you know, you, you know what Mali really needs right now is a Pat Boone. Just yeah. awesome. Yes. It's cool. Yeah. It's great. That's the of all of the the chapter on Africa getting itself out of poverty. That's the only like suggestion I could I could glean that wasn't just well, look the inventions gonna they're gonna invent something. <laughs> they're gonna invent African Dolly Parton, and you know what? I'm here for it. Um, so climate change. The world needs plentiful jewels of energy if it is not to be run on slaves. <laughs> Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's the jewel value of slaves again? Awesome. (laughs) And at the moment, the cheapest by far source of that energy is the burning of hydrocarbons. Uh, Okay. Mm, Um, Yeah, the two kinds of economies. But there's also still slavery. (laughs) (laughs) It still exists. Like, especially in countries that sell hydrocarbons. Yeah. Yeah. No, these are these things. It's that's the thing. When you have Matt Ridley brain, slavery is like a history thing, and hydrocarbons is an economy thing, and these are two different classes. <laughs> there wasn't any economy right. in history. Yeah, right. They were too busy doing yeah, history. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't. You don't see a lot of buildings that are just marked with a big sign that say "slave factory," but you do see a lot that are marked up with like "oil factory." Exactly. Yeah, checkmate. Yeah. All trade before, like, really the invention of rudimentary computers. It was just guys being being like. Just tossing money around and being like, let's hope that a philosopher gets some of this. <laughs> I'm like, so- I can't wait to make like a magic school bus style program where Matt Ridley goes back to the 17th century and it's all staged. So like it's a bunch of actors going like, well, we'd love oh, to do yes. some trade and commerce, but we're too busy wearing these tricorn hats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you! You oh could, my God. you could totally trick Matt Ridley with some kind of like animatronic uh, Google. Bro, I was saying a society for creative anachronism. Like you could make him <laughs> think he traveled in time. Yeah. Charles the Second E Cheese. So he says, Matt, 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 you got a magic jar of marmalade from Spain, and it helped you time travel. <laughs> he says, your grandchildren will, your grand. This is talking about the IPCC's uh, scenarios that they published before the most recent one, where they said we have five years of climate left. He says, 
Your grandchildren will be rich, but don't take my word for it. All six of the IPCC scenarios assume that the world will experience so much economic growth that people alive in 2100 will be on average four to 18 times as wealthy as we are today. In fact, in the hottest scenario, income rises from 1,000 per head in poor countries today to more than 66,000 in 2100, even adjusted for inflation. Okay, cool. I, I I love to like drive my Ferrari as the like tires boil off on the road. <laughs> yeah, does not say how many degrees it will rise, but everyone will be able to afford air conditioning, which means that global warming won't even be a problem. This guy is so his 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 mind is so beautiful. I well, I think. Honestly, I think the attitude of approaching this with he's so happy is like, this is the only way you can be act- an active contributor to politics or economics yeah. or whatever no, and be happy about 100%. it. You, you, you can either yes. be like absolutely furious, like coiled with rage all the time and try to do politics, or you can just, you can just be this guy and you can just be like, man, I'm going to be rich. You know the thing? Yeah. You know the thing is? This is how I think Bill Mitchell thinks. Yeah. I think yes, this, absolutely. this book is a look into why Bill Mitchell is always so happy and why he's so certain that everything bad that happens is either a trick or a mistake or whatever because the world can't be bad because the world is good. Yeah, but it, it's, it's, a good it's, it's a pure, it's even purer than Bill Mitchell, right? Because there's no like triggering the libs to it, right? He's none of this is spiteful. Even if he, his, his bank like loses everybody's savings, it's still not, he's not getting anything out of that except for the conviction that. Huh, we're gonna it, we're it gonna exist on the something. Matt Hancock Liz Truss axis. That's what we're saying. Yes, essentially. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. He is he because like American. Um, just to, for your benefit, Felix, I don't think we've explained to you the concept of the Instagram Tory. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what we're yeah, talking uh, about, right? Yeah, the, the ones no, who I are, do. Yeah, the guys, the, the guys who are because American conservatives tend to like they, a lot of them are going into the dark enlightenment thing, and some British conservatives are as well. You have like Josh Hawley and stuff, whereas. Most of our conservatives are just like they saw an Alexa and have been thrilled ever since. <laughs> uh. Yeah, well, yeah, it's like for some reason, even though Brit- like I think of the UK as such a dour, like awful place, there you can't like you have to account for really stupid guys. Mm. And mm-hmm. I, you know what? Like everyone always talks about their hypotheticals of revolution, but like a real thing that would happen is a lot of the people who you think you're going to execute during a revolution they'd find a way to like worm into a politburo or whatever it's just like always it's just like it just it doesn't mean that it's like an invalid idea it's just like that's how things happen sometimes like people who are vicious brutal and would do anything to get ahead in this system will probably try to do the same in the next one but i think like matt ridley would just happily be walked to his execution mm. like if there was like an armed insurrection like a leninist yeah. insur- because it's like he's he'd be like no i think that um ipads can lead to curing <laughs> cancer i don't like i don't agree with what you guys do um and kill me like he's like oh boy central believer. Look, he's also confident <laughs> yeah, that like yeah, the market I, will find a solution to him being executed yeah. before it I, happens. I, actually I, yeah. I think there's like i think there's a, a a lighter ending to this too which is that like if the hypothetical in minecraft like revolutionary committee decides this guy's too harmless to kill he absolutely is happy working in a shoe factory for the rest of his life oh my god yeah no yeah absolutely he'd be like wow Someone somewhere is taking the first step of their new day, something that I built. Because he's making business, which is good. 
Yeah, yes. <laughs> he says, the future will feature ideas that are barely glints in engineers' eyes right now. <laughs> Devices in space to harness the solar wind, say, or the rotational energy of the Earth. It's or so devices to shade I, the planet with mirrors placed at the Lagrange point between you know, the sun and the Earth. You know what the thing is, right? I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm hurt on his behalf that the role that he's he's set up for this, like, kind of, like, genius who's going to come to his rescue is being filled by, like, the most incompetent, most bad faith, most actually malign actors. Like, this guy is holding out for a, a savior, and what he's guessing is Elon Musk being like, yeah, we just drill the tunnels under the thing, and this is fine. You just, just fire a bunch of Teslas through them. He says, how do I know this? Because ingenuity is rampant as never before in this massively networked world of ours, and the rate is accelerating. His coat of arms, when uh, ingenuity rampant on a green background. <laughs> That's where the depression is. The depression isn't this guy. The depression is how the, how how this guy is being failed by this uh, by this ideology. Like this beautiful idiot could have had like actual progress, and instead he's just like uh, like enthralled to a bunch of snake oil salesmen. It's really sad. He says, when asked at the Chicago World's Fair in 1893 which invention would most likely have a big impact in the 20th century, nobody mentioned the automobile, let alone the cell phone. <laughs> no, one was That's the thing. no one was talking about the smartphone in the no 19th century. No one was talking about it. No, no. one. That's no one. Thing. Yo, that's the thing. Uh, that, you know, in the ancient Greek agora, no one was talking about OnlyFans, and yet now, you see, we live in a society. <laughs> yeah, this is like he's that's the Pete Buttigieg also is kind of kind of does that a little bit. Remember how he used to do that? Where he'd be like, uh, you're uh, we have uh, we have we used to face books, but now we invest in Facebook or whatever. <laughs> he's kind of doing the same thing. Where he's like, yeah, you I would I dare you, I double dare you buy Microsoft stock in 1750. <laughs> I bet you won't be able to. <laughs> I just I just I just love the idea that this guy is like, man, the Chicago World's Fair of 1893, nobody's predicting a lot of stuff. Yeah, because the president just got shot. Just so, even more today, you cannot begin to imagine the technologies that will be portentous and commonplace in 2100. Uh, so yeah, that's the whole uh, thing, right? He's like, look, the more we trade, I'm sure someone else will figure out a solution to that litany of problems that I set up at the beginning. Can't someone else do it? Are you guys familiar with uh, my favorite sci-fi short story, The Golden Man? Uh, I'm not. It's a Philip K. Dick short story. It's like it's from a book of stories he he released really called The Golden Man, and I I love it. It's about the movie. It's the story that they based the Nicolas Cage movie uh, next off of, even though it has really nothing to do with the short story. But it's about this sort of like nonverbal golden humanoid, like literally golden, that's super fast and has like a natural ability to perceive of events that will happen like five seconds in the future and it also like when it's a human woman sees him he they just like want to they feel like this innate desire to breed with him they feel this like overpowering attraction i mean yeah philip k dick's weird sh shit about wo women for sure but it's a great story because it's like yeah if you saw the like the next thing that overtakes humanity wouldn't be like Oh yeah, it's a it's a human who's cooler, <laughs> like a robot. <laughs> it would be this thing that you have like you have no idea what it is. You can't really predict the future on the terms of what we know now because, he, by definition, it would have to be something completely out of your realm of prediction or knowledge. 
Uh, and that's like that's a lot of Dick's writing on the future, mostly. Like that's why he's such a, he was such a good sci-fi author because he's like, yeah, things will be like horrifying in a way that you've never thought of. Because like, why would you be able? To? Mm. Mm-hmm. But Matt Ridley is the inverse of that. <laughs> like and he's literally taking the things that are bad and being like ah but they're for good reasons <laughs> imagine the kind of uh imagine the kind of apps and space mirrors and uh, different kinds of biodome we'll have to deal yeah, with those problems is, later yeah, like it, uh, the same uh, and a kind of a, a different approach to the same thing ian m banks uh called this the outside context problem right like you don't have uh, if you're if if you're living in the Aztec Empire, you don't have an under a framework of understanding for a bunch of dudes show up in a wooden sailing ship with guns. Yeah, uh, th- this guy, this guy, like you say, is the inverse. He's invented the outside context solution, and he's just like, <laughs> yeah, so, something, something. He's in, in his way. He's actually like a posadist. He's like, yeah, the aliens are gonna fix it. It's like something real <laughs> yes, crazy yes. is gonna yeah. happen. <laughs> still uh, interstellar sorry. like his Aztec thing instead of being like yeah they couldn't conceive of this happening they had no frame of reference and they so they just like got, there was just a horrible genocide but to him it's like no one could have predicted this happening a Mayan man was able to learn Spanish <laughs> uh, <laughs> so cool so here's the conclusion onward and upward I have presented he writes the case for sunny optimism I've argued that the world is networked and ideas are having sex with each other more promiscuously than ever. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I yes. love that. The pace of innovation will redouble and economic evolution will raise the living standards of the 21st century to unimagined heights. It is precisely st- because there is still far more suffering and scarcity in the world than I or anybody else with a heart would wish that ambitious optimism is morally mandatory. Well, that's the heart of it, isn't it? Like, he's, he's not a bad guy and he doesn't want people to suffer and as such... He's identified the only way you can exist as uh, like a banker and not go insane with that feeling is just that eh, someone's gonna fix it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He says large corporations, political parties, and government bureaucracies will crumble and fragment as central planning agencies did before them. The banker Damarung, meaning the crisis of two thousand eight, cool. I think, swept away a few leviathans. <laughs> I'm so glad I have that on speed dial. <laughs> but the fragmented and short-lived hedge funds and boutiques will spring up in their place. Yeah, you'll get an artisanal oh. bank. Mm. Yeah, you can get you can get Monzo. It's convenient. You can text your friends money, or you get the SoftBank Vision Fund, which is like, yeah. what if we made an office worth a trillion dollars? I love to get my collateralized debt obligation from a woman called Juxton on Etsy. Yeah, right. <laughs> So it's like, yeah, don't worry. Oh, he's just like, the problem with capitalism is that the, the companies are too big. They employ too many people. Yeah. They have to employ fewer people so that people can have more, like, climbing walls. Small companies. It's the, he says, the collapse of Detroit's big car makers in 2009 left a flock of entrepreneurial startups in charge of the next generation of cars and engines. <sighs> what? Like, <laughs> like what? Like, since when has there been a small car company? Like Tesla, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's like Caesar Tesla, Tesla is like once. one of the most valuable companies in the entire world. Yeah, and and all of their cars just keep like you know blowing up if you use the brakes. Damn, they, they sp- this this plucky bunch of lads down at Renault who just got together and are going to well, start making cars. 
Well, that's the thing, right? He's like, he's like, yeah. Oh man, uh, highways are super inconvenient, and that just he—he's someone who would be shown Elon Musk's idea that every person has a personal tube that goes from their house to everywhere else, and he'd be like, awesome, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> So the bottom-up world is to be the great theme of the century. Doctors are having to get used to well-informed patients who've researched their own illnesses. <sighs> okay. Journalists are adjusting to readers and viewers who select and assemble their news on Not demand. Not very well. They're all going insane on Twitter. No, the journal journalists are all like, no, you have to buy a newspaper, otherwise I will die. Yeah. Broadcasters are learning to let their audiences choose the talent that will entertain them. Which I guess is like him saying that like the X Factor in American Idol is good. We we do be having the masked singer though, so climate change is. Uh, I wouldn't worry about it. People will move freely and find ways to exchange their specialized production for diversified consumption. This world can already be glimpsed on the web in what John Perry Barlow, the guy who was owned by all those hackers, calls dot communism, a workforce of free agents bartering their ideas and efforts, barely interested in whether or not that barter yields any real money. Yeah, it's all just one big hackathon. Cool. Yeah, everyone, everyone's just being paid an exposure. What is genuinely true is that the Mayans just could not have predicted Sarah Palin being on the Masked Singer. They couldn't. They could never have known that. And in a way, that's awesome. <laughs> what if they could? What if? What if there's somewhere there's a stone calendar with like a giant masked singing figure, and we're all owned. <laughs> <laughs> and again, you can see that where he says the world in what John Perry Barlow calls dot communism, a workforce of free agents bartering their ideas and efforts, barely interested in whether that yields, yields real money. He's just saying it's clout. Yeah. He's just predicted clout. Oh, my God. This guy rules. The phase, the phase banks comparison, I guess, is very good. He's, he's, so, he's the uh, happiest man. Final, the final mm. paragraphs. People are willing to share their photographs on Flickr, their thoughts on Twitter, their friends on Facebook, their knowledge of Wikipedia, and their software patches on Linux, their donations on Global Giving, their community news on Craigslist, their pedigrees on Ancestry.com. Stop listing things. I love going on Craigslist for the community news. And even their medical records on patients like me. Thanks to the what? internet, each is giving according to his ability to, to each according to his no. needs. A degree that never happened in Marxism. Oh my god. The 21st century will be a magnificent time to be alive. Dare to be an optimist. Book closes. Why? I'm going around to some gentleman's the house on, from fire. Craigslist later today to hang out. <laughs> have yeah. some beers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He's reading Craigslist. He's like, wow, look at this. This guy, um, this, the guys on here said. He wants a cool hangout with a straight guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the, the next uh, innovation. No, I type in a few a few keystrokes, and I suddenly have a new friend. <laughs> <laughs> the next innovation that will save us from climate change is this crystal yeah. this guy found that lights up when he jerks off with a guy. Uh, <laughs> it's just some le some leathery guy is jacking off in front of Matt Ridley, and he's like. Wow, we just met, and he's comfortable enough to do that in front of me. <laughs> the internet is amazing. Humanity's amazing. I love- uh, he fucking- yeah. this, this, if guy, you exposed, this guy rules. If you exposed Matt Ridley to chat roulette, he would forget to eat. He would be so enthralled. He would die yes. of starvation. It would be the greatest moment of his life. <laughs> so I guess- I guess Trash Future now has a new mission. Adopt- find and adopt this man as our large no, son. I, I think we need- we need to get Matt Ridley on Mom's basement. Let's go. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Banks would Banks would love him. Banks would have because they are men cut from the same cloth. They have the same thing going on. Again, I, 
I hate to just reference episode one twice in the same show, but this is just smart shit. This is just yes. Uncle's Houseboat yes. smart shit. Yes, yes. It is exactly that episode. <laughs> uh, okay. I think that's all we have time for today. But firstly, Felix, thank you so much for coming on and sharing the beautiful world of Matt Ridley with us. Thank you so much for showing me this. Uh, and and to our patrons, you know what it is. Thank you for listening to uh, Trash Future. Thank you for being a patron. And we'll see you on the free episode yeah. on Tuesday. Shirts and all that yeah, shit's shirts, in the description. Fucking, you know what it is. Yeah. There's nothing else. There's just shirts. Themes. There's no live shows. Yeah. It's quarantine, bitch. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We've got, you know, the stream. It's Tuesdays. Uh, it's not Tuesdays at all. It's uh, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays at nine. We have fun. You know where it is. Uh, so, yeah. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you on Tuesday. Later. Bye. Bye.